This is Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. Joseph Duresti is the Executive Head of Red Hill Schools. His interest in education goes beyond the private school system. And facing loss of thousands of school hours, Mr. Duresti, writing in Parent 24, suggests the dropping of life orientation and one other elective subject might help get that time back. Mr. Jurassi joins me now to tell me a little bit more about uh, his thinking. Uh, Jurassi, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. It's an absolute pleasure and thank you for having me on um, Chai. Um, yes, I do have an absolute interest in education beyond only Red Hill because I do believe that in South Africa today, you know, uh, those of us in education need to come together to look for solutions. Uh, and what prompted me to write the article was that I don't, I, I get the feeling that unfortunately, Government is not solution driven. Um, they are, they rather react to situations, um, instead of looking at forward planning, um, in order to solve some of the issues that we have. And the big issue, obviously, around COVID and, um, you know, the lack of time that was then available, specifically when you get into grade 11 and grade 12, really, really concerned me. And it was during the time, I think, when the department were arguing over whether they should have a midterm break or not, as if that was going to actually make up for time. And that's really what prompted me to say, well, you know, if, if one was looking forward, forward, one would look at how does one make up time over the next possibly five to 10 years? Because the last two years in government education, there are certain students that have lost over a year of education. And we've got to look backwards, not even worrying only about our tricks in grade 11s of this year, but about the grade 5s, grade 6s, grade 7s, grade 8s, who have lost a huge amount of time. Now, where do you make up that time? And the reality is you can't make up that time by saying, well, you have lessons on Saturdays and afternoon and evening lessons. I mean, it's just not practical. And it also will have a major effect on the social and emotional well-being of children. Um, children go to school, they play sport, they get involved in arts and culture. There's only a certain amount of time available. And so what I did is I looked at some of the models um, internationally. So if we take the, 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 the English system in terms of the GCSEs, um, you only have to take five subjects. And then if you want to move into your A-levels, you end up only taking three subjects. Um, when I worked in Australia and Melbourne, you, you take six subjects. But you can write two of those off at the end of grade 11, which means going to grade 12, you end up with only four subjects. Now, if you look at the South African system, not only do we have our students having seven subjects, of which you really don't need all of them in order to go into tertiary education, um, you know, but also those are the years where, you know, students become, um, you know, get onto SRCs, they're captains of sports teams. And what I have found is the stress levels and the anxiety among matric students is just, it's huge, right? And I think any parent who's listening to this will know the anxiety that children are going through together with COVID and having to write matric. Why are we, why do we compound this? Why do we just make it more and more? Why are we not looking to relieve the stress levels? You're talking about government schools having lost a year. Are the private schools in a similar position in that they've also lost time or have they managed to keep up due to the fact that they have online access to online learning? 
Yeah, I think private schools in South Africa, you know, I've always said, when I look at our private school system, we rank amongst the top in, in the world. Private school system in South Africa is outstanding. Uh, what is really alarming is the huge gap between the private schools and then government schools. I don't think that private schools have suffered from an academic perspective. I think they're suffering from our, our students with, with what I've been talking about in terms of anxiety, in terms of stress levels. I think we're only now starting to see, right, how that has impacted on children, whether they're in private schools or government schools. And I think that part of, you know, although when I was writing the article, um, I hadn't thought about this issue as much, but coming towards the end of this year, I see it all around me. And, and we have to look at relieving that stress because the reality is when children are socially and emotionally stressed, it affects the academics. Uh, one of the things I'm looking at next year, specifically at Red Hill, is running major programs around um, student well-being. When students are happy and they are not anxious and they are not stressed, automatically, academically, they really do well. You can have the best teachers in the country and the best schools, but if students are um, depressed, anxious, stressed, it affects their, their academics. And so what we do often is we look at how, you know, at top schools, um, we've got, you've got top teachers. We're doing the best that we can. How do you improve academic results? You sometimes look at areas that are not academic um, and you improve those situations to make sure that students' academics are, are even better. So, Mr. Durassi, back to what you were saying. Um, your call for a losing of LO and one elective would actually benefit not only private schools, but government schools as well, albeit for different reasons. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. Uh, when I looked at the different subjects, now, I, I, I teach life orientation. So, you know, when people say that you don't even understand what life orientation is about, I, I do understand life orientation, and I understand the value that it does have. Um, I'm not saying that the subject material, we need to get rid of it. All I'm saying is when you look at grade 11 and grade 12, I think life orientation, um, you know, there's a lot more of life orientation should be done in your middle school years because that's when children are developing um, their identities and they're learning about, you know, the ways of the world. When our children get to grade 11 and 12, believe you me, the last thing on their mind is, is going into a class and having to learn how to put a CV together, right? That's not top, top of their mind. Um, so many of the things that we teach in life orientation um, can be done by children doing their own work on, you know, or working with their parents, um, you know, or, or having it integrated into other subject material. To write a CV, you can do that in English. You don't have to have life orientation and spend two hours a week on learning to do a CV or learning about the world of work. These can be incorporated into business studies, into accounting. If you talk about, you know, parents want their children to know about tax, well, you can do that in economic management sciences. There's so many ways of taking the life orientation program and integrating it into other subjects, and it becomes much more meaningful to students. And let's also understand students, whether we like it or not, or not, they kind of write off life orientation. They don't see it as being incredibly important in their lives. Um, so I do think life orientation will, can buy us two hours in the curriculum. And then, you know, our students have to do four, uh, four compulsory subjects. That's English, Afrikaans, or see Zulu, um, mathematics. And then, as I said, the life orientation and then three option subjects. Now, I, I'm a firm believer in doing, you know, many subjects. I think it does make you into a, a well-rounded individual. 
But in reality, when you're trying to buy back time, and that's what I'm saying, you know, when, when the ship is sinking, you have to, you have to throw things off board. Yeah. You know, overboard. You can't just say, no, but we want to keep everything, but we don't want to sink. Right. This is a crisis situation. And in South Africa, we are in a crisis situation in, in academic, in academics and schooling. So if you look at only doing three option subjects, if you're looking to do medicine, well, you really only need science and biology. If you're looking and you're wanting to go into a BCom, well, then you can do business studies and accounting. If you're looking to go into the humanities, well, you can do geography and history. If you're looking to go into the arts, you can do drama and music or a combination. So I'm saying if you take an example of a student who wants to get into medical school, um, who's very, very stressed, they're having to do science, they're having to do biology, they're doing their mathematics. These are all at high levels. There's high stress around. Well, why do they have to do geography as well? Right. In other words, it's a, a nice to have to do geography if you are not in a stressed out situation. But if you are in that situation as educators, we should be looking to relieve the stress. You can do your geography up until the end of grade nine and then look at the areas that you're wanting to study and go into more depth in those specific subjects. The other, the other issue that government is bringing up is in terms of having all the subjects, well, we'll just take a whole lot of things out of the curriculum, right? And then there'll be less to study. And, and believe you me, uh, you know, we, we will definitely have pass marks and we'll get 80% pass rates. You know, um, if I, if I'm running a race, a hundred meter sprint and you say, well, in order to pass, you have to do it in two hours. Well, everybody will, 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 will run a hundred meters in two hours. There's not a problem with that. Um, but if we're looking at having a rigorous curriculum that is an in-depth curriculum that allows students who are going into medicine to study physics and chemistry and mathematics in depth, well, we have to let something go because there just is not enough time in the curriculum and there's not enough time to make back um, the hours that we need. So if you get rid of one of the options and you get rid of life orientation, you can give the other options including English and Afrikaans, an extra hour per week, which means you buy back nearly 200 hours in the year. And I think, you know, that that is a solution to a crisis situation. So, Mr. Jarassi, what our listeners won't know is that I'm nodding in agreement with everything you've said. Um, I agree that LO can be done um, at an earlier stage, actually when the kids are more susceptible to learning it. Um, I do think kids must resent having to not only do LO for all that time, but then get marked on it. And, you know, I imagine for some kids it's an easy, easy subject, but for others it's just a drag that has to be gotten through at a time in their life when things are very, very stressful. Um, I agree that, you know, rather have know the subjects you know and let them help you in your further career than try and be masters of lots of different subjects that you will never need again. What has the reaction to your to your article been? So the reaction, I, I think from the majority of parents and students, definitely there is absolute agreement. Um, I did have to write a letter to my life orientation teacher explaining you know, that I'm not looking to, to fire her and that there are other ways of using her skills. And, and that's the other thing that I think is really important is every life orientation teacher has another subject, right? So if you look at government schools, you could take all of the teachers who are teaching life orientation and you could redeploy them into other subject areas, right, which would definitely help. And also, you know, remember, if you take government schools, let's say there are, you know, history classes of 60 in a class, if all of a sudden they're doing one less option, there's far less kids in those classes, 
which means those class numbers, sizes become smaller as well. So there, there, are, there, there are a lot of advantages to, 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 to my idea here. But yes, um, we, do, we did have some teachers really upset, specifically life orientation teachers. And then obviously government, people in government who, you know, don't want to look at any kind of change. And I did invite them to have a conversation with me. Uh, in fact, what I called for was a major educational indaba where educators could get together to actually talk about this process and how we move forward. But unfortunately, government don't seem to ever want to engage with anyone else besides government. Um, and that, I think, is problematic in a South African situation. I think, you know, I think private institutions have a lot to offer. I think private institutions want to see government institutions succeed. I definitely, as a headmaster, know that the limited amount of students that are coming out of private schools are not going to be enough to change South Africa. Um, if government education doesn't work, we all suffer. Well, I wish we had time for more, but we don't. But I think on that very poignant note, perhaps this is an opportunity for grassroots uh, movement, to more and more people to support what you're saying in terms of independent schools possibly starting off, government schools jumping on the bandwagon, parents and children. You know, we live in a, a, an environment where um, people have more say possibly than they have ever had before. And we, we can in, in instigate change. So I'm hoping this is the first step that will see whatever you say come to fruition, whatever you have said come to fruition. Yeah, I I mean, what was interesting about it is I've never had so many comments on, you know, uh, tweeted about, about, you know, anything that I've ever written before. So it obviously did hit a nerve. What was really important for me is it got a conversation starting. Um, you know, and, and that's why I, I am writing different articles from a, a thought leadership uh, point of view for the simple reason that I, you know, not, not because I want everyone to know what I think about, but generally I write about contentious issues and um, it allows people to engage in discussion. And isn't that what, what, what kind of makes us move forward is just the ability to engage in the discussion and not to just say we're not talking. Mr. Joseph Duresti, thank you so much for joining me and sharing those thoughts with me. I'm sure we're going to get a lot of responses to this. That was Joseph Duresti, the executive head of Red Hill School.